0: Comics, movies, music, video games, technology,
1: Blu-ray, television.
0: This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to The Black Box. I'm on the line right now with uh, someone whose project I stumbled upon uh, via Kickstarter, and, you know, and they had a successful Kickstarter, and congratulations to them. And I'll introduce you to this person in a moment. Uh, they have a book called Born Dark, which is a uh, dark fantasy comic, a zero issue, uh, if you will. And this lady is not only a writer, but she is also a model and comics lover and red panda enthusiast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Leela Gwen. Leela, how are you?
0: I'm fabulous. How are you, Sean?
1: I am doing great. I am doing absolutely fantastic. So glad to have you on the show.
0: I'm so good to be here.
1: Cool, cool. Well, I am here. To, I want to talk to you about Born Dark because lately on the podcast, I've been wanting to really talk with independent creators, uh, creators doing creator own comic books. You know, I want to introduce the world to more more creators, you know what I mean? I just want to get people aware of things outside of the big two, as it were. Absolutely, and, and I think Born Dark is something that I think people will dig. So, um, if you don't mind, can you tell the people what is Born Dark about?
0: Born Dark is a portal fantasy. Um, if you remember, like uh, like Labyrinth, and uh, and like The Wizard of Oz, where somebody is transported to a different world that kind of sits next to ours. Um, Fringe was a kind of a portal fantasy too. Uh, if you are a nerd and watch television as much as I do, <laughs> like me, um, uh, so, and basically there's our world, normal everyday America, which is where our three main characters, um, Malcolm blue and Jake live, you know, doing their day to day life, whatever. And then there's the goblin realm only sp- Special people can see and travel to between the two worlds. And Malcolm and Jake are both special people in that they can see the see and travel between the worlds. And that's really unfortunate because the goblins are kind of assholes.
1: <laughs> Aren't they always?
0: Yes, but the thing is that Malcolm... Well... The, the Goblin's whole thing is kind of manipulating children into doing things for them. And when Malcolm was a kid, he was manipulated into going to the Goblin world and doing stuff. And it really kind of screwed up his whole life. But he brought something back with him, and now the Goblins want it back. And so Jake, who's 11, uh, they're using him to get what they want and so the characters at various times are against each other and for each other and it's a lot of action and drama.
1: What inspired you to do Born Dark and where did your love of dark fantasy uh, come from?
0: Oh, my goodness. Dude, I mean, you're a writer, you know, things just talk to you in your head all the time and you have to write them down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You know, like the first movie I ever remember seeing was Labyrinth in the theater. And I remember just thinking... Why in the hell? Because I had just had a baby brother. Like, my baby brother was, like, six months old. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why in the hell wouldn't you trade a baby brother for that glass ball thing? Like, that looks (laughs) awesome. Baby brothers are loud and noisy and smelly. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's where my love of dark fantasy, like, started was just that. That, like, oh, my God, you can live in a labyrinth with goblins or you can go back to your life and go to school and have a baby brother. What the hell's your problem? <laughs> this is not a hard choice. <laughs> um, I,
1: I remember seeing Labyrinth in the movie theater the weekend it came out. And it kind of it, w- it was so weird to me. And then this is from, like, you know, as a child, like I had seen Dark Crystal in the movie theater and I was just like wow. This was awesome. I have no idea what the fuck just happened, but this is awesome <laughs> and and seeing um, stuff like Wrath of Khan and And then which is more sci-fi than dark fantasy, but but then going to see labyrinth, you know years later I remember, you know watching it like in the movie theater and David Bowie showed up and and I kept looking at him with this big hair because he had the Tina Turner, like oh, yes. you know, we don't need another hero type hair. And I kept looking at him, and I was just like, you know what? If if Let's Dance David Bowie comes out right now to to like fight big hair David <laughs> Bowie, this would be amazing. <laughs> because to me, nothing fucks with Let's Dance David Bowie. I'm sorry, I I, I love me some Let's Dance David Bowie. That's my dude. I, you know, that's my dude. But but still, that movie was so was just so weird in a good way (laughs) and you know and you know visually crafted well and you know like a great color palette throughout the whole film but i just remember just like with um when i saw um the dark crystal i walked out i was like what the fuck did i just watch and i said that to myself (laughs) because like my mom was right next to me and i I was still a kid and so you know i I couldn't say that out loud but
0: right no, no, what did i just watch (laughs)
1: So it was just so it was so weird. And and I really I don't remember Hollywood trying to touch that type of motif until decades later when New Line Cinema dropped Dark City. Right. And that I automatically got right away. I was like, oh, this is some though they're on some other shit. This is awesome. I, I got it. And I, I I love that movie so much, and that's like one of my all time faves. But um, but yes, but no. Let's dance, David Bowie versus Big Hair, David Bowie. That that needed to happen. It really did. Um, but no, it's um, you're right. It's like these these types of things can be very inspiring, and it can make us want to create. It can, you know, it could it could light it could light that fire. It could set off that trigger, and so it's good that you know that you that you that you've done this. You've, you've had this successful Kickstarter. You're building the zero issue uh, to entice you know to entice readers and the general public um, in order to try to get a, a six issue miniseries, right?
0: That's correct.
1: All right, all right. So, so now you've done the Kickstarter that was successful. Um, yes. You know, you've got you've got you know the concept for Born Dark Down. It's in the books. You got all this stuff you got all this stuff right
0: all six issues (laughs) see there
1: you go see you went went like flint but there's always when creating comics there's a process oh yes what steps did you take in order to put in order to put a team together in order to do this book
0: early on i got adopted and i was so fucking lucky i i don't even know how it happened um Adam P. Knave, um, who you might know from like Amelia Cole and Artful Daggers. He writes for Monkey Brain. He writes a couple of things for Monkey Brain. Um, And he happens to have one of them Eisner Awards for editing comic books. What do you know about that? Uh, (laughs) He he just... We made friends on Twitter and um, he one day was like let me see what you're working on and i had finished all six issues at that point and i really had no idea what to do with it i was actually working with an artist and and we had all the art for the issue one and then that fell apart unfortunately no like bad thing happened it was just it didn't work out Mm -hmm. and he looked at it and he was like let me edit this for you and when that happened, it kind of took me to a different level as far as the people who were paying attention to what I was doing. Um, It, it allowed people to take me seriously that may not have taken me seriously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where I started talking to people and networking because really comics is like three quarters networking and talking to people and, being awesome and being out there. And um, Richard uh, Clark came into my sphere of being and I am not a shy human being. <laughs> and I just kind of glomped him with, hey, we're doing this thing and it's going to be awesome. And he liked the idea. He His work is amazing. And it just kind of have just lucky (laughs) basically i'm extremely lucky (laughs) yeah as long as luck catches you working isn't that that's the saying right if luck catches you working you're in good (laughs) You know
1: i have never heard that before So you got your team together and, Mm -hmm. you know, you start this process, you start to put this book together and whatnot. Were there any challenges in actually now you're officially making the comic? What are you know, were there any like stumbling blocks? Were there things like, oh, I didn't think that, you know, I didn't think about this or was it just something that was just it just all laid itself down?
0: Everything's more expensive than you think it's going to be when you start out um you know you start looking at shipping books from here to there to there to here and it's like oh my goodness, you know, (laughs) and then it's, you know, and it's this and it's that and getting all the logistics together and making sure everybody's timeline is right. And, and trying to make sure that everything gets taken care of and everybody's ducks are in a row. And, you know, all that logistics stuff is really hard because, you know, I'm a creative person and therefore I am slightly flaky at times. So, you know, I like to have all my work done. That's why I've written like all six, issues are are all seven issues written before they were, you know, before one panel was drawn, all issues written because I want to have it done, (laughs) you know? And so it's like now I have to schedule things and get people. I'm like, oh, okay I don't have these skills, but I guess I'm going to (laughs) learn.
1: Yes, uh, you don't have much of a choice when it comes to when it comes to comics, sometimes you will be become entangled in things that you never thought you would have to be entangled in it's it's just part of the game um, right. like when it comes to comics like versatility's job one sometimes it truly sucks and I mean sucks hard but there's other times where you do learn something from it um, right. good or bad you do learn something from it and you learn a little bit more about the business um, I always say that now this isn't for every this isn't for everybody what I'm about to say but I think it's good that you know something about the business. Like, I, you know, like, I'm not saying everything. There are some people, are some people that are artists, that are writers, um, you know, that have positions within what they do, whether it be making comics, whether it be making film, music, whatever, where they should have, like, a, a strong sense of business acumen. And, like, there are some that can take that, can do what they do and have the business acumen and still, like, be just champions. Now, there are others who that are great at what they do but like adding the like adding a strong business acumen sometimes makes their work suffer so that's when they have to bring in other people to help and i get that you know because right. not everybody not everybody can be like a you know like a decathlete of art you know what i mean oh, it, it's yeah it's, just, it's deca- i know a decathlon is decathlete a word sure okay we'll allow it all right (laughs) we'll allow it um but you know we all we all can't be that but um but for those that can i I give a lot of props to because there are some things uh, there are some things that i think everyone needs to know right Forms of art like inspire you, um, whether it be a comic, whether it be a film, um, you know, genre, a medium. What kind of things inspire you to uh, to write?
0: Uh, this this is the worst answer ever, but everything. Like <laughs> seriously, like I was listening to the radio the other day and I heard some uh, jazz and i was listening to dave brubeck and i'm telling you that i had a whole story in my head about what that song was about <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah i mean like so yes i'm that awful person who's like always in my head and telling myself stories <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah so like everything really like um, movies and music and you know just artwork you know my house is like literally just every wall has art on it and that makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) all the things comic books man there's so many great comic books happening right now that it's just It's impossible to keep up with all the things that are going and novels. So many of my friends are novelists right now that I'm just like, I can't read all of your books because I don't have time in my life because I have to write things too. And, but it's amazing when I do get to like, you know, I'm reading a Charlie Houston book right now and the amazing, brevity of how he can tell you something terrible because i mean he's describing what is literally like it's a vampire spoiler alert um it's like a vampire farm where they're like literally have babies that they like they have people that they get pregnant so that they can have babies like So that they can continue to make blood And it's the most terrible thing ever And he tells it to you In two sentences And it's not He doesn't even directly address it And it's just the most amazing thing ever Because you get the full horror and terror of it But The way that it Just glances off of it It's just It's just amazing to me And just these things just make me like blah 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 blah, and want to like write all the things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anything can anything can spark something um, at, at any given moment at any given time. And uh, like a lot of times, like you know, because like I said, we've talked about so many different things on this podcast, whether it be comics, hip hop, um r and b, film, um, you know, je- anything can spark a trigger. i I think like one time, years ago like i wrote an entire comic book like i think it was like a 28 page book basically because the new jack city soundtrack was on and i just i let it play from beginning to end and i wasn't even paying attention like something like just hit me when new jack hustler by ice t came on and it, it was just, i was just typing nonstop and literally 2 minutes before the like the last song came, like before the, before the last song ended i had banged out a script and I was like, how did this just happen? <laughs> you know, I'm like, and why don't I have that power right now? You know,
0: right. Anytime. Just turn yeah. this on. Yeah, just
1: turn it on. I'm like, yo, you know, you know, can I I'm, I'm put on this ice cube album? Can I let me write something hot right now? <laughs> and it's like, no, it don't work that way. I'm like, damn, nope. <laughs> you know, but yeah, it's 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 weird how things can like quickly inspire you or influence you, um, you know, to do what you got to do. Where did your, you know, love and enjoyment of writing, like, really come from? Like, I know we've talked about all these things that, we've, that we love, but what was that moment where you felt that, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to write. You know, when did, when did that happen for you?
0: You know, I've been writing as long as I could, like, physically do the act of writing, um, I remember making stories out of like making books out of like folded construction paper when I was like six, you know, and <laughs> illustrations and the whole nine. I had this this one that was about an owl who wanted to cross the street, but he wasn't allowed to cross the street. It was very, very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you went back and looked at like Leela and and like. Fourth grade, when she was asked what she wanted to do when she grew up, she would have told you she was going to be a best-selling author on the New York Times best-selling list for eleven weeks. I don't know why eleven weeks was important, but it totally was.
1: <laughs> well, because see that that when you when you're young, that's a powerful number, and, right? And, and, and you and you've heard it on the television, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, it was number one on on the charts for eleven weeks. That's what I want.
0: Right. 10 is a big number. 11 is even more. Yes. I was going to turn that up to 11, son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and it's one of those things that I kind of let go of because I was like, that's not realistic. Who does? Nobody does that. And, you know, I became a personal trainer and I was a personal trainer for 10 years. Uh, I was very good at it. And then I get hit by a truck hmm. and I couldn't do that anymore. So it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, you've been playing around at this dream. Cause I was like writing on the side a little bit here and there, but nothing serious. And, you know, I had an agent, but really it, I mean, you know, it was like one of those things that I was kind of doing, but not really doing. And then, it was like, okay, well, you got a choice. You can either take this seriously and do this for real, or you can, I don't know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Get a job at a convenience store? Awesome. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, all right, you know what? Like, if you're going to do something, if you're not going to be able to do this one thing that you love, it's time to do this thing, this other thing that you've always loved. Yes. And so that's what it what it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how like when we're younger, we feel that we have to grow up. So all the things that we enjoy as children which were either put together or created by grown-ups right we feel that we can't that we can't be a part of that because that's a childish thing even though we're not processing the fact once again it's probably created by an adult right so we we feel that we cannot take that lane and and drive down that lane to the fullest so we feel that we have to be an adult we do adult things and it's just weird because, perfect example, I I I graduated with a bachelor's degree in English focusing on creative writing, with a focus in creative writing. I have spent a majority of my life after college either doing consulting work. Um, I've also done like IT work, and that's what I do now uh, for a university um, as IT technician. And it's one of those things where it's like you tell yourself, well, I do it because I'm good at it. I don't do it because I love it. I like where I work now, but I do it because I love it and it helps keep bills paid. Right. But the thing is, is that like all those other years, you're like, oh, you know, I I can't write a book. I can't do a comic. I can't, you know, make a film. I can't make music because that's not being responsible. Well, that's not really true. You can be responsible and handle your business, and still go create something. And and if something comes from it, and you feel that you can try to create a career out of it, go for it. And I think that's that's one of the things I think a lot of people don't get now. Some do, and it's but it's amazing how technology's changed a lot of that. I mean, you can be viral in a matter of minutes, and it's kind I, of it's kind of amazing. It's kind of scary, and at, at the at the same time, whereas you, you know, no more than ten years ago. Everything that you wanted to do really cost a lot of money to break in absolutely now Yeah, there's still costs and there may not be gatekeepers. There's still guards at the door But um, there may not be as many gatekeepers, but there are people watching and only letting certain people in at certain spots, but Mm -hmm. there are opportunities there are more low-cost opportunities to like break your own make your own way. I don't really like using the word break in because for the simple fact I'm black and a lot of people associate <laughs> black people with crime. Yeah. So breaking in really isn't the best term. I just say making it and <laughs> right. um, it just it just works better. It's got a better sound. And then defining what making it is on your own terms and defining what success means to you on your own terms. And once you have that, you know you can do you you can do a lot of great things. There will always be obstacles for, for, for women and minorities, there will always be obstacles flat out. Um, right. I don't know if that shit will ever change, but that doesn't mean that we stop trying to accomplish things. you know what I mean it's 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 just weird how we put these um, these brand you know these brandings on ourselves. And we block ourselves sometimes from our full potential. So, you know, so like it's cool that, you know, like, you know, like like you're going for it. You're trying to access that full potential and you're moving forward. And that's cool. And I hope more people realize that they can reach their full potential and they should do so.
0: Absolutely, man. Like the thing is that that really... Now, more than ever, we have opportunities to build teams and build friendships and and create in a much, you know, we're not stuck in a vacuum anymore. Ten years ago, I would have never been able to reach out to the community that I have because Twitter didn't exist. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big Facebook person. I just, I don't understand the culture of Facebook. But Twitter is like... My lifeblood, you know, I do, I spend a ridiculous amount of time on
1: Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that shit is like cocaine if you ain't careful.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and, and I've got, like, something like 110,000 tweets. Like, that is not healthy. But at the same time, you know, the reason why I've got that story in Hellra- in that Hell- Hellraiser book, the reason why I'm born dark is a reality, the reason why any of these things have happened to me is because of people I've met through Twitter and then taking it to that next level of actually knowing people and and... That wouldn't be possible without the Internet. And and it makes it so like there are no excuses anymore for not getting out there and doing your thing because there are a million people out there who are waiting to help you. All you have to do is be willing to help other people and to be helped.
1: You just said Hellraiser Anthology. Um, <laughs> okay, see, you see now you're, you're quite hyped about this, so I, I feel that I should ask about it. Now, um, I take it this is an anthology that is based off of the films.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: okay, and, uh, and I, from what I have read on Twitter is that a story that you wrote is going to be in this Hellraiser Anthology. Who's publishing this, by the way?
0: Boom Studios is publishing it.
1: Okay, yes, and there's a story that you've written. Uh, yes. Th- uh, I cannot remember who's doing the artwork. I apologize. Um, do you recall who's doing the artwork for your story?
0: Uh, I'm going to destroy the pronunciation of his name because it's French, and okay. I'm bad at that. Um, uh, his first name is Danielle. Um, yeah, I will give you the link to his Twitter. um here in just a second because he does have amazing artwork, <laughs> and uh, that makes me happy. <laughs> um,
1: you know, so you're doing. So you are also you're doing this Hellraiser anthology now. How did now? How did this come about? And when when will people be able to see the story that you've that you've worked on?
0: The, it's a six issue series. I'm not sure exactly which issue. I know I'm not in the first one because they announced. Um, the the writers and the artists for the first one already, it's not going to be that one, but um, yeah, it's uh, Danielle Sarah.
1: Okay, Danielle Sarah. Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah, Um, at at multigrade on Twitter.
1: Like horror stuff kind of fucks with me. It's uh, it's one of those things where there are certain things I can watch, and there's just other stuff. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm a grown ass man, so you know, I can't fuck with this. I gotta go. (laughs) You know, like I can watch, I can watch, like you know, Scream. You know, I can watch. You know, I can watch the the Scream series. Yeah, when people start getting stabbed, I kind of get like a little shaky. There's something about the way it's set up that I can watch it um nowadays maybe like Friday the, the original or th- the first two Friday the thirteenth films I probably watch them probably ain't that bad there's like there's this running joke for like the longest time um like I watched Alien as a child uh-huh. I, I was a probably probably like six or seven it came on HBO one night. I was over uh-huh. my grandma's house with family whole family was there and uh, we were watching something on HBO and I remember, like you know, then HBO was like coming up next, uh, you know, Alien with Sigourney Weaver and blah blah blah. And I looked right at my mom. I was like, I ain't watching that. And like, I like walked out of the uh, out of the living room. And uh, and like one of my uncles was like, Oh, you, you're gonna love it. It's just like Star Wars. Now that sets off a trigger. Okay. You can't tell You can't tell a seven year old child who you know had a strong appreciation for Star Wars that, oh. It is okay, bet. I'm sitting right in front of the TV on the floor, and I'm watching this. I'm right here, and so you know, you see spaceships, you see stuff land, and then like all the shit kicks off. And now, now you know the seven year old child is scared as hell, and you know, but he doesn't want to leave because like everybody's in the living room, so I I don't want to go in the basement you know I don't want to go down there and I can't I don't want to go upstairs by myself and I don't want to sit in the dining room by myself don't matter how many lights are turned on because because the alien is going to get you. yeah there's nowhere to run I just have to I have to sit here and suffer I, I, I kept the lights on in my bedroom for like a week I did not watch any alien movie any of them until about a couple years ago, like, I, like with the exception of like James Cameron' Aliens, like so I did watch that in my twenties. My friend was like, "Yo, this is just an action film. It's an okay. action film with a couple with a little bit of scary shit, but it's straight up an a- it's a straight up action movie." I was like, "I'll try," and I got through it. I was like, "It still fuck with me," but yeah, it was an action movie. But I literally two years ago, two years ago was the first time I watched Alien since I was seven years old. Wow. And I was like, I made it through and you know, it's a great film. It's great You know shit fucked with me. It's it's just like when parents sometimes do things and I don't know I know they don't mean to but it's just it just sometimes it just happens like one night I was staying up like my mom was staying up late and I was like mom stay up late with you because that's what that's what sons do and and she was like she cuz like we like always would tape Saturday morning cartoons you know, this is the VCR era. This is the 80s. And, you know, it's power. You know, I could keep these cartoons forever. And, and like, my mom was like, come on, we're going to watch these cartoons. I was like, all right. You know, we watched, like, uh, you know, Galactic Guardians, the superpowers team. Um, and we watched the real Ghostbusters. And we watched, like, something else. And, like, my mom would get as hyped as I would. And then, like, you know, it was done. And she was like, well, let's see what's on HBO. And the omen came on.
0: Oh, see, see, the thing is though, the thing is that in that period of time, at night on HBO, you were watching a horror movie or you were watching a Porky's movie. Yeah. Like, like your mom knew what was on. Yeah, you know, like, see like, you know,
1: that's the thing, HBO was fucking with these kids. They was fucking with these kids back then.
0: That's how I saw Hellraiser for the first time. See? The Hellraiser was my first horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it was because I was spending the night, like my next door neighbor was Joe and he was like a year younger than me but we were like best friends and I would spend the night at his house all the time and we would sleep on the pullout bed and watch TV all night and his parents had HBO and we would watch like, and we didn't understand like, how could you at like seven, eight, nine, whatever, understand what, what the hell was going on in Hellraiser? dark delights did not make sense did not compute <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and but we watched it i was just like that's crazy why doesn't that man have any skin <laughs> oh you,
1: no yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't fucking with
0: that like i'm <laughs> real like i was already like completely inert to all that stuff like we watched horror movies all, like from there on out we watched horror movies like Every like every Saturday night, I would spend the night at his house, and we would watch horror movies. That's what we did.
1: <laughs> I, I had to put a moratorium on all that. I, I had to. I was just like, this is fucking with me. Like you know, I just it like it really bothered me. It's like comic books wasn't a problem. I could handle all that hardcore shit and the comic books. Like yo, Anti Monitor and Crisis is hardcore. Oh, I got this. Let me read this. I got this. This dude is crazy. I got to read this. But stuff like Hellraiser. And things like that during childhood just bothered me. And like and like certain horror things would, would bother me too. I think it, it's probably because this is how it always got me. It's it's like sick is like these like sitcom moments in my life where if I watched it fr- watched the movie from the beginning, I can brace myself for stuff. Mm-hmm. But what always happened is, and once again, HBO is the blame for this. <laughs> I would be flipping through channels and I would hit HBO and something fucked up would happen right when I turned it there. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! And I'm like no, click, click, click away, click away.
0: Well, I mean, well, there's a couple of things. All right, one, I was, you know, I was a very competitive child, mm-hmm. and so. You know, Joe and I would be hanging out, and I'd be like, "Are you scared?" He'd be like, "No." Are you scared? No. So like, neither of us would let the other one wuss out. You know, like we had to like watch the whole thing. Uh, And the other thing on your part, frankly, especially in the '80s, black people didn't fare very well in horror movies. Oh yeah,
1: exactly. And that's why I was out. There was no need. (laughs) There was there was no need. I was like, yo, it's like maximum overdrive. It's like yo, Giancarlo Esposito playing a video game. How you get electrocuted? I was out. I when that happened, I was out. I was like, I don't give a fuck if the green goblin truck is coming. I don't care how cool that looks. You know what? Fuck y'all. I'm out. And I and I never finished and I never finished watching it. I never did. I I was that pissed, a child that pissed off. That pissed.
0: No. <laughs> One black guy in the whole movie—you got to kill him in the first him. five minutes.
1: I was done. I was done. I was like, "This is no good for me. This, this is no good for me." At least, like, like you know, when I watched Predator, which, like, now I look at Predator now, I'm like, "Oh, this is just an action film. This is all this yes. is." But you know, when you're younger. Like well, when I was younger, I was like, okay, this is like sci-fi horror. This is kind of freaking me out a bit because, like, you know, it's the the known unknown, and and like everybody's turning against each other, and it's just like, well, at least Apollo Creed and 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 the man called Bill Duke, uh, they made it all. They all oh, they got at least about an hour, hour fifteen. I was like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I can live with this. Like the two brothers made it at least long enough to satisfy me to get through this movie because i was like i knew they was gonna die i was like this is inevitable carl weather's gonna die Bill will gonna die but but they made it long enough and they weren't the first so i was okay <laughs> but, They're
0: like i they made it past a certain point they didn't they didn't die needlessly in the first five minutes just to show that it was serious they weren't red shirted
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. oh no they had red shirts Please believe they—they they may have had a military gear, but underneath that military gear was just a big ass red patch, and it just said "just take me," you know. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, I was like, okay, they weren't the first. I'm like, I'm good with this. I can live with this. I know this is Arnie's movie, so I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. I I can live with this.
0: And you know, Predator kind of had dreads, so you could kind of pretend.
1: No. Nope.
0: Nope.
1: Nope. Because I was an ugly motherfucker. No. Nope. Nope. Not allowed. Not allowed.
0: You Not know. allowed.
1: You know. Nope. Couldn't couldn't do it. And and like even like they tried to make up for in Predator 2, when he was like, yo, let's go get Danny Glover. Danny Glover gonna save the streets. And Danny Glover's gonna take out a Predator by himself. He's gonna beat him one-on-one in a predator ship, mind you. Yes. Uh, and as a kid, I was like I should be like yeah that's dope but as a kid i was like i, I, I don't believe i don't believe Murtaugh can be Predator. i was like I, I i don't i don't believe i was like i love me some danny glover i was like that's my dude i was like you know you go get him Murtaugh, but i was like
2: mm, mm,
1: no you know but they but they still black people got killed rasta they had the most stereotypical rastafarian drug dealers of all time in that film yes they did and i was just like man y'all about to get fucked up and I was like, all right, I'm finished watching this, but still, I was like, fuck. You know, so, yeah.
0: It, it, it wasn't 80s really... 80s movies looked- loved stereotypical Rastafarian drug dealers. They loved that shit.
1: Yes. Oh, oh it yeah. It was like
0: their favorite thing. They were like, oh, this. you know what this movie needs? A guy in a tam with a terrible accent. Yes. He's from Brooklyn. Just make him talk like he's Jamaican. It'll be fine.
1: Mm. Oh, <laughs> shit you used to annoy the piss out of me. Like, uh, that one, um, Steven Seagal movie where yes! it, it had it had a Keith David in it, yes! and, like, they fought, like, um, like, uh, these, uh, they were, I think they were Jamaican, they were the Jamaican or Haitian, I can't, I can't, I, 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 I don't want to lock it in because I can't remember, and, like, the only way you could kill them is if you cut their head off or something like that, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Like, like my mom and I went to go see that at the movie theater, and, like, the movie was over. She was like, baby, can you believe that? I was just like, mama, I don't know what the hell just happened.
0: Marked for death.
1: There we go. There we go.
0: With screw face. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh, Oh. yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I, I couldn't. I was just like, this is crazy. This is absolutely batshit insane. Steven Seagal, real quick, <laughs> and, and hard to kill. Something uh-huh. that has always bothered me. Besides the fact, watching that movie now, I just laugh. It's the purest essence of like late '80s, early '90s action films. Mm. Uh, you, you can't watch that film and not laugh now. Whereas when it first came out, he's like, "Oh man, Seagal is hard. Oh, this is like action packed. This is serious." Now it's just like, "Whoa, what are y'all doing here?" But there's a scene where he's rehabbing, he's getting himself together, he's out of that coma. And you know, and it's a montage. And they cut to a scene where, you know, he's meditating and he's you know, he's doing acupuncture, right? Right. Well, they cut to a scene where he's done he's already done the acupuncture, And he's meditating, but he has the acupuncture needles like across his back and he has um and he has them lit on, you know, he and he has them lit because he has some stuff wrapped around them and he has them lit. Uh-huh who did that shit because there is no way there is no way that he was able to reach those spots stick that needle in light that spot just right and then be like okay i got, I got all these pins and i got it all lit up and right i'm like who did it
0: <laughs> you know that they had like some acupuncture lady that was there who was like ding 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 ding, ding oh, yeah, and no, lit no, him on fire
1: <laughs> no, no, no I know that but like the film the, the film like you know they act like you know Seagal did all this you know yes. like you know he did this because you know he was he was hard to kill so he could like acupuncture himself and light this shit on fire no
0: no <laughs> he did it with his amazing mind powers <laughs>
1: Oh, Lord. Just, just, okay. All right. (laughs) See, ultimate tangents. See, there we go. There we go. All right. Now, we all have our writing processes and how, you know, what inspires us to write, what we know, you know, when we write, what times we write, things that we have to have when we're writing. For you, um, is there anything that you have to have? When you're writing. Is there like one specific thing that you need when you're writing?
0: Noise. Okay. I like I've uh, usually I'll have a cheesy horror movie on in the background or I will have um, I will pull up things on YouTube where people are just talking to each other. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I will just put it on in the background of my computer like just having people talk And have it not need me to be involved in it is a a dead silent room to me just drives me insane. I'm like, and what could I be doing? (laughs) (laughs) I have to have like stuff going on around me um, or, you know, and I'll even go like to coffee shops and be that stereotypical writer in a coffee shop. But I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I have to have noise. Other than that, really, it's really just I have to not let myself be subsumed by Twitter because I will. I will just be like, and tweeting now, and then I'll be like, and crap, it's five o'clock, and I have not read anything. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, noise. Nice. I have to have noise. Okay.
1: Because of like a uh, a mild Twitter discussion regarding the films uh, B13 District B13 and Brick Mansions, uh mm-hmm. Leela on Twitter had mentioned about Escape from New York. And so I had to message her, I'm like, well, you know, seeing that you mentioned it, we're gonna to have to talk about it on this podcast. <laughs> and um from a, as for me i haven't watched this film in 25 years and that's like so 25 years ago was like the last time i watched it so so i was like well you know i said we're going to talk about it, so maybe i you know i should watch it again for old time's sake and i watched it last night start and to it's finish
2: perfect.
1: yes Yes, it is. It is is perfect. It it is perfect. And like, you know, I made sure I wasn't interrupted. I put my phone in the other room. I didn't have a computer. I didn't have a tablet. You know, there's no Twitter talking. There's nothing. It's me, the Blu-ray player, and the television. And I'm like, talk to me. And from start to finish, from start to finish, that film is damn near flawless for the fact that it was made... It says for, like, I've read that it was made for $6 million. I know it was less than that. <laughs> They're being generous when they say $6 million.
0: You have to remember that they spent at least a million dollars on Kurt Russell's hair. <laughs> That's fucking cloth, man. Lord, i
1: tell you. i tell you. Like, between the hair and all them eye patches that he had to use.
0: That's right, man. Those things are expensive.
1: Yes. Yes. But no, that, that film that film itself like I said I was thoroughly pleased because I didn't know how well it would hold up but yeah and even even though it was made like you know in like in like late 70s early 80s it still holds up very well I mean they were doing everything on a shoestring budget so yeah there's some things like you know like when the air like there's some things that like you don't get to see but they're implied but it still works like when Air Force One gets hijacked you see it for a bit but you don't see it crash into the building right but that's okay, you know what I mean. That's okay because they still they still make it work. Um, when they're doing like all the um, like when when uh, Snake is doing the night flying in, in the in the glider and, uh-huh. they're, and they're cutting to all the screens and like you know you can see like you know like a 3D view of the city on three different screens. I'm thinking, whoa! I was like, that is some tight CG for like 1980. I was like, that that should have cost money. How do you do it for six million dollars? $6 no. They had miniatures. Oh, that's another yes. thing. I was like, "Yo, had a miniature." They had a miniature of the city that they used for the film. Yep. And John Carpenter and his crew put electric tape on. Like they lined the buildings with electric tape. Got a black light, and then filmed the whole city. And that's how they got the effect of like the three D CG grid of the city. That was not computer gra- That was the, That was not computer graphics
0: just amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was like it was there's a lot of ingenuity, you know, they they did a lot with nothing. And um like those types of things just like really really fascinate me. And and um you know, in the character Snake Plissken, you know, he doesn't talk a lot. Um, you know, his actions speak for him.
0: Yes. Um always. He's a man of action.
1: Yes he is. <laughs> yes he is, but um it has a great cast. I mean, you know, Ernest Borgnine, Harry Dean Stanton, um, is it Adrienne Bar- Barbeau? I can never say her name correctly. Oh, I always jack up her name. To the internet, um, Adrian Barbeau. I was right. Okay. Yeah, Adrian yeah. Barbeau. Isaac Hayes. Donald Pleasence as the President of the United States. Plus, oh, my homie Lee Van Cleef. So it's like, it's got this loaded cast. And it's just, it's, it's just so cool. Um, for those that don't know. The, the,
0: Isaac the, Hayes was in it.
1: Yeah, Isaac Hayes as the Duke <laughs> of New York City. Yes the Duke. <laughs> and, um, but for those that don't know, the plot of Escape from New York is, long story short, um, the uh, Manhattan, um, like what happens is, is that in the 70s and 80s the crime rate in the United States increased up to 400%. So in 88, uh, the island of, Man- of Manhattan was evacuated and isolated from the rest of New York City. It was turned into a giant maximum security prison. And that's where all inmates serve a life sentence. Uh, pres- and like prisoners that were escorted, escorted inside cannot be released. And there's a 50-foot containment wall surrounding the island and like all the Manhattan bridges and tunnels have either been destroyed or covered with mines to prevent anyone from escaping. And the, sur- the surrounding waters are patrolled and no civilians or prison guards are even allowed to set foot on the island. And what's going on is, is that a third world war has escalated from the eruption of the Cold War and like the president is about to like you know go to like this peace this peace summit um, between the United States, the Soviet Union, and the uh, People's Republic of China. Air Force One's hijacked by terrorists. They 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 uh, crash the plane into um, the island of Manhattan. But the president escapes in an escape pod. So, but New York has this police commissioner Bob Hawke, and he was like, "Yo, um, there's this dude that used to be a U.S. Uh, Special Forces soldier." but he turned criminal. His name is, uh, uh snake Pliskin. And he makes a deal with snake that if he goes to rescue the president, um, he will give him a, you know, full pardon. Um, and, but there's, you know, there's a catch, but, um, he'll give him a full pardon. And so, and that's where the adventure begins. And, um,
0: And then you look at the storyline for Brick Mansions, which is an undercover Detroit cop navigates a dangerous neighborhood that's surrounded by a containment wall with the help of an ex-con in order to bring down a crime lord and his plot to devastate the entire city, which is just escape from Detroit.
2: <laughs>
1: see, see, like I said, we, we we talked about this, see, when we talked about this on Twitter, it's like yo, it's like and that came from District B Thirteen, which then the Americans remade into Brick Mansions. So it's it's one of those things. Yes, there are roots of Escape from New York in films such like this, films such as District B Thirteen and Brick Mansions. It's just this on some next generation shit. You got the parkour, you got the you know the martial arts action, and, and, and things like that. And like I like saying I don't know, I don't know if, if the if the if the people if the person that directed District B thirteen or the person that directed Brick Mansions ever watched Escape from New York. But it's like still it's still it still got me hyped to go back to yesteryear and watch this movie. And I, I recommend I'd recommend anybody watch it because it's also a um it's also a lesson in filmmaking like back then for next to nothing. Yeah. E, you know what I mean? Like I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking your ear off about it. I need to let you speak on it for me
0: because, like, I'm keep you No, I, I, I love Escape from New York, and I even have a soft spot in my, my heart for Los Angeles. I mean, I know that it was a terrible movie. I know, but I love terrible movies. I'm not gonna lie to you. And I just found out. I just like while I was looking at IMDb when I was putting in Escape from. Escape from New Jersey just popped up, and I don't know what this is, and I'm, I'm freaking. I just I'm gonna have to see it because it. I just am, and I know it's gonna be terrible. It's got a four point six rating on. It. I don't care. I'm gonna watch it because <laughs> I am that person who does those things.
1: <laughs> mm, the, the escape from New Jersey is probably like one of them sci-fi movies. And it was like, uh,
0: yeah, it was made in two thousand ten. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, does,
1: does it star Dean Cain?
0: No, it's it stars Hector de la Rosa. It was written by Hector de la Rosa. And um and yeah, and yep, he's Snake Plissken. That dude was like, I'm gonna be Snake Plissken. I don't care what I have to do to do it.
1: <laughs> Good night, America. Good night. <laughs> Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. No, it's that's it. It's 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 crazy. Uh, that's great. Now, Do you want to oh,
0: hear what's really funny? What's that? There's a character in Escape from New Jersey named Jack Burton. That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: See, you, you can't you <laughs> see. And see, trying to play with hearts, trying to tug on heartstrings. You talking about all these right? Russell movies now. You, right. Pulling at heartstrings. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: They're like, um, come on, you know, you want to love it. And mm. I'm like, no, Mm-mm. I don't. No.
1: no, no, no! I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't fuck with that. I can't. I'm sorry. It just, you know, it hurts my feelings. You know, it, I know it's gonna be bad. But like, don't get like, I like a bad movie too. But like, I know it's gonna be bad. You be, but you can't be calling the character Jack Burton. You know,
0: Jack Burton straight up. Just like, I'm gonna name that character Jack Burton. Why? Cause I can. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: Nope. Nope, that's when a lawyer should have stepped in with a cease and desist, like, no, 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 take that garbage off, son. Call that stop. Do something else.
0: Stab it, stab it, stab it. Yes.
1: But, uh, no. Okay, okay, now here's a question for you. Regarding Escape from New York and even Escape from L.A.
2: Uh-huh.
1: At the end of Escape from New York, Snake, along along with, you know, like, uh, the gentleman, uh, Harry Dean Stan, who played Brain, and Adrian Barbeau, who played Maggie, and uh, the cabby, played by Ernest Borgnine, they mm-hmm. all help to save the president. And uh, I'm going to spoiler alert this—the spoiler alert for y'all that ain't watched this movie, but you still watch it anyway. Um,
0: yeah. Um, hello. If you haven't seen this movie, go right now. What are you waiting for? <laughs> what the hell's your problem?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but the cabby, a um, brain, and Maggie—they all die trying to save the president. Uh But they end up, you know, but the president ends up being saved. Snake Pliskin, you know, ends up saving saving the president, and you know, Pliskin becomes a free man. But they got, you know, but the president has to hurry up and get ready to like um, play this tape that has importance that could possibly end this Cold War and this third world this third world war and a possible nuclear strike on you know on all sides. Right. And and the thing is, is that they're about to play, but before they play the tape and before you know the president's about to say a speech. Oh, the president says thank you, kinda like kind of a half-assed thank you, to right. uh, to Snake Pliskin, and Snake um, asks him like, you know, how do you feel about the people who died saving your life? And you know, and like and the people like getting them ready, and like you got two minutes, you got two minutes, um, before you have to make your speech. So the president just offers like this half-assed regret, and so right. Snake is like, okay, all right. And he just walks off. And so President makes his speech and he plays the tape because this content that was on this tape was supposed to basically bring the world together and end the possible possibilities of nuclear war. And instead, like it was the cabbies cassette from like a like this old swing song, song, swing style song. And you see Snake just walking off and he's got the actual tape and he just starts tearing the tape out of the tape. Just walking and tearing, and destroying the tape. Right. This man has just started nuclear war. Uh huh. Escape from L.A. He sets off an electro, like a, uh, electro, um, an electro, electromagnetic pulse bomb. T- takes out the entire Earth. There is no electricity. Planes are crashing from the sky. Right. This dude, okay. So my question to you is: Is Snake Pliskin a terrorist?
0: You know, I think that a lot of people like people like there's a lot of self styled misanthropists on the internet, and I think a lot of people are literally just trying to be Snake Pliskin so bad he's you know he's your he's your Mm anti-hero but he wants these people basically to blow up and die because they're bad people you know he's like you're Mr. President you're a bad person so you can get blown up (laughs) now he doesn't think about like the fact that you know, if the president gets blown up, everybody else gets blown up too. Uh, <laughs> but, but like that's that's the appeal of Snake Plissken. He doesn't think about anything past fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> like he's a very simple man. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yes, yes, he is. It's just, but it, it's crazy. It's, it doesn't matter. His actions like always affect a whole world.
0: Right, yes. And okay. and I think that that's that's part of the appeal like he's this guy who doesn't give a fuck but he everything he does like affects the whole world, you know? And and I think that that's a lot of like internet culture trying to be.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, like you know, if you can separate, you know, reality from fantasy, I think that it's fine. I think that there are definitely people out there who should not see any snake in anything because they should not be encouraged.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some people right. just, some, some people can't break fantasy from reality.
0: Right. So, um, I retract what I said before. If you have a hard time telling reality from fantasy do not go watch that movie right now <laughs> leave that alone
1: i i just wish that la would have been a little bit better um what you know would have been a little bit better but for the, for this one reason for for this one reason this one reason alone like the next movie was supposed to be escape from planet earth and even um, Kurt Russell, I think, tried to to like you know push it to some studios to see if he can you know get it made, and it just never happened. But I would have loved to have seen what that movie would have been, right? Because as we all know, L.A. Escape from L.A. is just Escape from New York with a bigger budget. That I mean, and but the campiness is turned up to like six thousand.
0: Right? Yeah, and I think that that was the problem. I think that you know that era of time people were they wanted campiness like they were they were going for that you know that 90s era the 90s era nostalgia for 80s things was much more everything in the 80s was goofy blah 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 so instead of going at it from that you know hey we had something and it was awesome they just kind of went with that nostalgia look back and went with the goofiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, playing basketball in boots with them high-ass heels.
0: Mm-hmm. And the surfing.
1: Oh, see, I forgot about the... Sur- oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I forgot about the surfing. Once again, surfing in them boots.
0: Yes. <laughs> You oh. could totally do that. I mean, and they had a great. I mean, like, we did. The, the fucking cast is amazing. I mean, Pam Greer. Anytime Pam Greer's in a movie, it should be great. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the way it should be. Like, but no. No. I mean,
1: it, yeah. It, it hurts your heart. It, it just does. It hurts your heart because you, you knew the potential of it. And not only that, the, the fact that. Like how many years was that between Escape from New York came out in nineteen eighty one?
0: Right, and Escape from LA came in ninety six.
1: Yeah. Like fifteen years. Fifteen years for a sequel. Right. It whoa. You know what I mean? It's just wow.
0: Right, but again, it's that thing. It's that we're looking back at it, and everything in the 80s was goofy, so we're gonna make this goofy. And it's like, no, actually, you had a pretty good movie there. If you'd had, you know, this kind of budget, you probably would have killed, the, you know? Yeah. But no.
1: Weird enough that they're talking about remaking it, they're talking about remaking Escape from New York, and, um, and I think the producer is uh, Joel Silver. And I think, like, on, if I remember right, there was an interview I would read where Silver was saying that, like, the film script is, like, inspired by the video game Batman Arkham City. And I'm like, yo, the story what? is already written itself, man. Like, Batman Arkham City or Batman Arkham Asylum or, or things like that to tell the st- story of Snake Plissken. It, right. It, it tells itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm so, I'm kind of over the whole, like, they're remaking the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah, I heard like, about that, yes. Yeah, I'm not okay with this. Like, like, can we just leave things alone? Can we make new things? No, I like, feel you.
1: I, I, I feel you. It's, here's the thing, like, the, this is the biggest problem with Hollywood right now. It's, and Hollywood's been like this for probably about, mm, 6, 17 years. Oh, that's fine. Six, seven, ten. <laughs> they, they're at a stage where there are a lot of people there that are afraid to lose their jobs. Right. So they get paid to say no to new things. And when somebody does something that is new and actually does hit, in their eyes, it's like, oh, that's just an anomaly. That can't happen again. So the thing is. They'll look, they'll say, okay, what was successful at, during this period of time? Well, it's been 30 years, so we can bring this back and give it to a whole new generation. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the thing is, is that now it's all about familiar, uh, you know, things being familiar. Right. Um, it could because familiarity supposedly generates money. That's not always the case. RoboCop is a perfect example. Now, RoboCop. See, the thing is, RoboCop in the states didn't make money. RoboCop, Correct. the RoboCop remake overseas, the RoboCop remake made money overseas, but that shouldn't that shouldn't guarantee it a sequel. But like, say for instance, uh, oh, I can't remember that movie right now off the, off the top of my head. Um, there's like, there's like, but there's a couple of films that are getting sequels, not because they did well in the states, but because they did well overseas. Right. You, you know, and, like, even, like, the Smurfs... Everybody knew that second Smurfs movie was going to be bad. But, right. But but the thing is, is that uh, Sony's like, oh, no, no, no. We're coming out with another one in 2016, and it's a reboot. But it's not a reboot, but it is a reboot. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, like, hot. And, like, the thing, and like whole other thing of spending... When a studio is spending $600 million... You know, okay, let me rephrase that. When a studio is making a movie and the movie is out, and it has made $600 million worldwide, and they're still losing money, your business model is completely fucked up. Right. You know, it's like, how did we get here? You know, and then it all goes back to, like I said before, like, we're at a stage now where we can create things now on our own, and and like, you know, and push them towards target audiences in the hopes of creating our own careers. But Hollywood-wise, it's weird. It's like it's all or nothing now. There's no in between, right? And it's and it, and it scares me. It it really does because it's like this, this. They're they're literally eating themselves.
0: Like I feel a little bit like uh because I'm I'm super excited for the Godzilla movie. Like oh yeah, okay. you know, like I feel a little bit like a hypocrite because I'm like I'm so tired. But at the same time, like. It feels like they're doing something new with it. Mm. Like, they're actually doing something new and interesting that they couldn't do. I mean, we're going to pretend like the, the 97 Godzilla didn't happen because that was horrific. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. What were they thinking? But it doesn't exist. The original Godzilla movies couldn't do what these this movie is going to do. Like, visually... All of those things. Mm -hmm. But my issue is, so that to me is interesting because it's going to be new. Um, I'm actually really excited for like the Mad Max, the new Mad Max movies, because they're telling new stories. It's a new generation, like, and I love Tom Hardy, so I'll go see it because yay. Um, (laughs) um, But to me, like, a Lethal Weapon reboot, there's nothing that they're going to do in a Lethal Weapon reboot now that they couldn't do 15 years ago. You know, what are they going to do? Blow up cars more? Like, have car chases that don't hit boxes? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not almost run into a like tanker truck in an intersection while they're chasing? Like, It's it's it seems to me like it's just it's a waste of time because there's nothing new to do in that movie like it's just not going to be anything innovative right you know and if you're going to reboot something and make it new and show me something you know. Impress me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
1: yeah, it's it's, it's like I say, it's, it's it's really weird right now. I mean, like, like for every like, said so the, the Godzilla remake. Yeah, I'm hyped for that too. And it's one of those things. Like I remember when Twenty One Jump Street was about to come out. The the Twenty One Jump Street movie was about to come out. I was like, why would you do that? And then I remember going to see it, and I was like, wow, that was really funny, and it was really entertaining. And I was like, I'm glad I went to go see that because I enjoyed it. And it was completely different from right. anything I, I remembered from the TV show I used to watch.
0: Right. So, they, so, they gave you something new.
1: Right, right. They gave you something new. So I, I was cool with that. But you're but you're right though, it's um it's yeah, like with um with you're right, with Lethal Weapon, it's it's kind of you really have to turn this on its ear if you're gonna do it. And see that's even even then in, in like in a studio's eyes, it's a risk. It's like, well, we gotta keep it familiar. But it's like, if you're doing that, what's the point?
0: And who are they going to cast as Danny Glover? Because, frankly, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to hire two young actors to play these parts? No, that that character, he needs to be an old man. He needs to have a family and all of those things. Like, he needs to be too old for this shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, like, who are they going to put in that role?
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's, kind and
0: also, of, I think it's kind of a slap in the face to, you know, to, to just be like, uh, yeah, here's this movie that you made fucking iconic. You ain't even dead yet. We're rebooting that shit.
1: That's, that's the new Hollywood model. It's <laughs> like, what are people familiar with? Let's, let's ramp it up. Let, let, let's ramp it up. Because it, it, it's funny though. Because like in the, uh, in the 90s, they, you know, they they were remaking movies. This is like when we just like money and cocaine was just going everywhere, <laughs> and they were remaking TV shows into movies, and a lot of them didn't hit. And I have three examples: Sergeant Bilko, Michael's Navy, Car Fifty Four. Where are you?
0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead on the record and say I liked Michael's Navy. I liked that movie. It was terrible, and I love it. And that's just me
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough fair enough
0: but yes you are correct Uh, and part of that I think was because those television shows were so far away that like I remember the the movies coming out and being like these are old people television shows like why are they making movies of them now (laughs) you know like in like hmm yeah. Whereas the the things that are out that are they're trying to bring back are the things that like our generation are nostalgic for. And the kids are like, yeah, that's cool, because it's just before their parents or just after their parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, like, all right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was just just like when I remember just seeing trailers for those like you know those for those movies. And I was just like, really, for real? Are y'all serious? I was like, okay, you know, best of luck. <laughs> and right. I, and Enjoy I, that, Because so, like I don't want I don't want to be the person to say who asked for this, because right. like that I really don't think that's the right thing to say. It's it's just more of like why. I guess that right. would be my thing. Why?
0: Right, they uh-huh. were in a pitch meeting, and somebody was like, "Sergeant Bilko," and they were like, "Damn right, you know." <laughs> yeah. And you know, they were like, "All right, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do Inspector Gadget live action." And they were like, "Yes." And again, I fucking love that movie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just it's terrible, and I love it.
1: No, it can't be. It can't, it can't be any more terrible than that than that direct <laughs> video sequel where they replace Broderick with French Stewart.
0: Oh my God.
1: Oh yeah, that happened.
0: Stuart will take any job. I uh, he he's far too good an actor for the um, for the fact that he just will take any job.
1: <laughs> and, and some hey, you gotta eat. You gotta you gotta eat. You got bills to pay. It's just like damn. You know what? I, I'll I'll say go go gadget. How much? How many days we got to film? Bet. Let's go. Give me the jacket. Give me the hat. I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> you know I, i'll make it work somehow i'll convince myself that i'm doing something else it's okay let's go yeah. the
0: fact but I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and call you out on this because you had that shit on your fucking fingertips right there you were like and let me tell you about it
1: okay, like the stuff is stuck in my head it doesn't leave i got i never even watched it it just doesn't leave it's like i saw an image of him as inspector gadget it never left like this is how my brain works, Lila. I, I I don't understand why. I don't understand how. It's just like I can remember the bullshit. It's like it's like remembering off the top of my head. Sergeant Bilko, Mikhail's Navy, and Car Fifty Four. Where are you? Why the fuck do I need to remember this shit? But it stays. Yeah. It's scary because it shouldn't stay.
0: It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't but stay. it totally does.
1: Uh, mm. Problems. I got problems. (laughs) I got problems (laughs) Before we take off and uh, go watch escape from New York again um, uh, Leela, I need to um, I need to let you uh, take a time out to let people know um, Where they can find you on the internet?
0: Um, Well, my website is uh, (laughs) fullfrontalfantasy.com, which I totally did ironically and now it's become a thing. Uh, You can always follow me me on Twitter. It's at LGwen. Um, I'm literally almost always there. (laughs) So, uh, yeah it's
1: it's kind of a problem but, well you, you you just handle your addiction to the best of your ability
0: that's right, that's right. It, one day at a time that's right. <laughs> baby
1: steps small victories every day every day every day well leela it has uh, been wonderful having you on the show and um you. oh you're more than welcome and i hope to have you back on sometime soon
0: sounds like fun
1: And that concludes this week's Black Box. The Black Box is a member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at HHWLOD.com, where you can download previous episodes of this podcast, as well as Donnie Salvo's Tales from the Attic and John Carroll's The Carroll Chronicles. This podcast is also available on iTunes. The Black Box is also a member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes or the forum for Geeks Board, feel free to leave us a comment. You can also reach the podcast at blackboxpodcast1 at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next episode, dream big, hustle hard, and never stop.